I'm so glad you're joining me. This is called First Thoughts, and we're trying to live one day at a time by taking one great thought and having it planted in our mind and carrying it with us through the day. And the thought for today is super practical. You'll be able to use this one all through the day. I'm outside on a day when it is really difficult to see. You might be able to notice that, and that actually is very relevant to what we're going to talk about. Many, many years ago, I was struggling in my own heart. I was trying to figure out how to become a more genuinely loving person. So I talked to a mentor and a friend and a counselor, therapist, Neil Warren. And I was talking about relationships where like, I want to be the kind of person who loves people and I want to grow close to them. and I want to feel a sense of connection, but I'm struggling with how do I do that? Sometimes I just feel kind of distant or disconnected. And uh, he said to me something I will never, ever forget. Neil said, you know how in real estate, there are what are called the three laws of real estate. And that's location, location, location. No matter how new the building is or big or fancy or anything else, really, location is the whole ball game. He said, I want to tell you the three laws of relationship. And they are observation, observation, observation. If you want to love somebody, if you want to develop a heart for them, then begin by noticing them observing them carefully, cultivating a great sense of knowledge about them and how they are responding to life, what matters to them. Look at their face and their body. Because, Neil said, part of my assumption is that God has placed his image inside every human being. Immanuel Kant said that's dignity. Dignity is the inherent worth of a person, any human being, that makes them literally irreplaceable in their value. And he'll said that comes because everybody is made in God's image. And so he said, I just assume that if I look at somebody closely enough, I will see what God sees in them. I will see what God has placed in them. I don't have to try to hype myself into it. The three laws of observation, the three laws of relationship that we so often go through our life with blinders. And we're looking so much at my life, my agenda, my projects. How might other people help me that I'm blind to actually seeing other people? So that's the expression for today. Observation, observation, observation. And I want to tell you a story that can help ground it for you and for me. There's a remarkable story in the scriptures with a bit of a subtle turn. Biblical narratives are often a bit ambiguous and they make us struggle with them because then we grow more. This is the story of Joseph. You might know about Joseph and his many colored coat. When we first read about Joseph, there are indications that he's not a particularly admirable person. Uh, in the beginning, he starts by telling his father, Jacob, a, a bad report about some of his half-brothers. Half Jacob had 12 sons by four different women. Uh, two of them were wives and two of them were servants of those wives. And so their sons were the lowest status. And Joseph gives a bad report about the lowest status sons. Apparently, he views them as opportunities to further his own ambitions, and he's pretty good at it because it kind of works. He is his favorite. He is the son of his dad's favorite wife, and so his brothers do not like him. And apparently, Joseph does not notice that they don't like him because he has a dream, and in his dream, he becomes preeminent over all of his other brothers. He's a giant sheath in the field, and they're all smaller ones, and they have sheath envy. They all bow down to him in their dream, and he tells them all this, like, isn't this a wonderful dream? And the text says that they hated him all the more, and they could not speak a kind word to him. 
Now, you would think that Joseph would notice this. You'd think that Joseph might even care about this, he might ask his brothers how they feel about this, might uh, want to find out how he could repair his relationship with them. But he does not. He apparently, at this point in his life, is pretty low EQ or pretty uncaring or pretty blind because he has another dream. And this one is even more grandiose, and it involves the stars and the sun and the moon. And once again, uh, he is the preeminent one, and he tells his brothers this dream, and they don't like this one anymore. And so one day, they kidnap Joseph. They want to kill him, but they end up deciding to sell him into slavery. And now things begin to take a turn. And while the text never says in a real outright way that Joseph had been uncaring or grandiose, it clearly communicates that in his response to his brothers. But now he begins to suffer, and suffer often has the power to do things inside of us that nothing else might. He is sold into slavery. God is with him there, and, and he actually does quite well, but then he's betrayed yet again, and he ends up in prison because his master had been high up in Pharaoh's administration. He is in the Pharaoh's prison. And there are two other men, two other bureaucrats for Pharaoh that are in prison. And the text says something fascinating. It says that one day Joseph saw that they were dejected. And so he asked them, why are you sad? Now a miracle has happened, not to Joseph's circumstances, but to Joseph's heart, to Joseph's eye, Joseph saw, and to Joseph's mouth, Joseph asked, Joseph cared. When he was focused on his own dreams, he didn't even notice, observe, or see his brother's pain. But when he himself has been through great pain, now he sees, now he asks, why are you sad? Can I help you? God is with Joseph, and Joseph has changed. And these two men tell him their dreams, and he's able to interpret them. One of them is released from prison, restored to Pharaoh, forgets all about Joseph until a couple years later when Pharaoh has a dream. And nobody can interpret it. Nobody knows what it means. And so this man remembers Joseph and says to Pharaoh, I know somebody. And Joseph is released. And Joseph, through God's help, is able to interpret this dream and bring great wisdom and win great favor. And Joseph becomes more or less the prime minister of Egypt. And because there is a great famine, Joseph is able to help a great number of people, including his family. Because of Joseph, he's able to reconcile with his brothers. And one of the great statements in all scripture that I find myself clinging to a lot in these days, what you intended for evil, God has used for good comes from the heart of Joseph to reconcile with his brothers. And his family is able to move to Egypt where they can flourish and where his people, the Israelites, will live for another 400 years. And then will come Moses and then will come the Exodus and, and then will come Joshua and the promised land and David and the kingdom and exile and Jesus. And all of that is able to happen. I don't know if you can hear that. That's a plane, but it's going away. All of that is able to happen because Joseph saw and Joseph asked. If Joseph had not asked, Joseph had not seen, 
then the whole rest of redemptive history as we know it on a human level would not have happened. Now, of course, God can make that happen any way that God wants to. But the reality in this story is it happened because Joseph saw and Joseph asked. Now, he didn't see and ask in order to fulfill his dream. Ironically, paradoxically, his dream came true, that dream about the contributions he would be able to make when he had let go of it in suffering slavery in prison. Observation, observation, observation. Joseph saw, Joseph asked. So now, for me today, as best I can, I let go of my own dreams. For you today, let go of yours and just notice people. Everybody that you look at, you might think right now of a good friend or a family member. If you were to try to say on a dejection scale from one really sad to 10 quite expansive and joy-filled, where is that person? And each person, as you see, just look at them and notice, their, are their eyes shining? Is their face alive? What do their shoulders tell you? Is their body slumped and dejected? What about the tone of their voice? Is there vibrancy? Where are they? Notice them and care about it and maybe ask if they're doing great. Man, it just seems like things are really clicking. I celebrate you, celebrate with you. Or if things appear to be difficult, anything going on, any way I can help you? Observe what your relationship with them is like. So often in my relationships with people, especially if I think something might be wrong or they might be displeased, I'm likely to go into avoidance mode or pleasing mode instead of simply wanting to know how do things stand between you and I? Just observing how is our relationship going? And then observing my own spirit. How am I towards this person? Am I eager to help or have I been oblivious and self-preoccupied? So today, super simple, the three laws of relationship, observation, 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 see and ask. And people around you will be glad you did. And I will see you tomorrow.